0: And welcome to the interview segment of the Square. Uh, I'm Diamond Jim, and with us this week we have Matt Tice, your director of Vive. Is that correct? Yes. All yeah. right. Uh, so Snake and I, we know mm-hmm. all about Vive. I mean, we're in the know. But for our listeners, um, can you tell us? You know,
1: also it's not Vive. It's, Vive. Not, it's not Vive. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's that's something totally different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, the history of Vive, and you know, and what you guys are doing now. Sure, yeah. So
1: Vive is, uh, it's actually a program of Jericho Road Community Health Center. So um, Jericho Road Community Health Center is a federally qualified health center, um, multiple clinic sites in uh, the city of Buffalo, and also actually clinics internationally too. And uh, one of the, one of the programs that they do is uh, supporting Vive Shelter. And, and, and Vive shelters actually come under the umbrella of Jericho Road only just in the last seven ish years or so. Prior to that, uh, the the organization has existed maybe forty years, specifically supporting um, asylum seeking families in a shelter environment, so temporarily supporting them with housing as they are on their way either to file um, an asylum claim in the United States or going to Canada and uh, and make a refugee claim there. Um, So we've over the years, we've been able to help uh, at this point, probably well over 110,000 people. We've, we've just had thousands and thousands of individuals and families come through our shelter and get help on their way towards uh, a permanent
0: safe place. And so uh, you know, Vive, like you said, it's been around for 40-ish years Mm -hmm. in in West New York. Um, You know, something that I encountered, I think, um, the first time I heard of Vive would have been like the 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was in in college, um, and I started to find out about organizations in Buffalo for the first time, and I was like, well, I I should learn more about my hometown. The the role that Vive plays, uh, it's different than... Uh, resettlement agencies and I think there's a that's a big misconception uh, with people is that they think oh it's a resettlement agency and it's absolutely not. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah for sure there there's an important distinction in that sense like so if someone is fleeing some sort of persecution or uh, violence um, political instability any of these types of things in their home country and then they need to go somewhere else they may end up in a refugee camp and they wait for quite a while to get that refugee status. Mm-hmm. Many of the people that come through a refugee resettlement organization, they're granted that refugee status. They're given a lot more uh, assistance by the time they come here. Mm-hmm. They, are, they have this legal protection for them, essentially, as a refugee. Now, a, an asylum seeker, on the other end, um, they have have needed to flee from some sort of serious... Issue often life-threatening in their home country, they come and then present at the border and say, "So concerning that if I was back in my home country, I would I could lose my life. I want to stay here, or I want to file a claim potentially in Canada." And uh, so they're still on the run; mm-hmm. they don't have that status yet. They're still trying to prove to the U.S. government or the Canadian government that they need to stay. And the government actually their their position is. Actually, towards working towards deportation, so they need mm-hmm. to be working very hard to stay in the mm-hmm. United States, and uh, and so it's it's a tenuous position. That's that's our role in Vive is that we're trying to help give them a safe place. Mm-hmm. We want to have them um, after they've go- been through this incredibly dangerous journey, oftentimes, and this is the first opportunity that they have to rest mm-hmm. to to feel like that they don't need to be looking over their shoulder and uh or they're sleeping on the ground somewhere or they've been in detention. Um we we give them a safe place to sleep. They they have something to eat. They can work on their legal claim. Any of those
0: types of things. It has has it gotten harder, easier, stayed the same over like the last 10 years uh for asylum seekers. Well, um I mean, if you, particularly if you think
1: about the previous administration, like under Trump, it absolutely got a lot harder. Um, You know, the, many of the restrictions that were put in place for people who were seeking asylum, uh, a lot of the policy was designed intentionally to try and keep people, one, from being able to come here, two, to be able to work or or get work authorizations to work. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then and then you threw on top of that COVID, um, so then it's there's all of these other uh, restrictions tied to that. It it's made it very very hard. As a result, people have had to wait much longer. There's uh, a lot more difficulty in navigating through the systems. We do a lot of interface also with um, with organizations on the southern border. Mm-hmm. So like they will help send people that maybe they, they're only to help them able to help them for a couple days, but then we can receive them. And uh, they are completely overwhelmed in the, and, and you know you hear this a lot in the news. Um, there's just nowhere to put anybody at this point. and, and we're pretty full too,? Right. like Almost all the time. We, we have next to no beds available, but we do our best. We have people show up all the time. Yeah, it it has gotten harder. <laughs> um, it has also gotten busier. Right. Um, you know, if I think about how many people have come to us over the last couple of years, it's just been this steady incline of uh, you know a ramping up um, where there are are you know on on average probably prior to COVID we had never had the numbers that we're experiencing now, and uh, and even though we are still in the middle of COVID. I think we're on track to probably do twice as many people maybe than we've ever done before with the exception of maybe the first year that Trump Mm -hmm. came into office because everybody was really, really concerned about a lot of international movement, that type of thing.
0: And where are most of uh, the countries of origin for uh, these individuals?
1: Um, It changes so much, you know, so much from year to year Mm -hmm. because oftentimes it's going to reflect based on whatever's happening around the world. Um, You know, if you would have thought, well, so right now, earlier in the year, actually, let me give you an example. Last summer, one of the biggest groups that we had in the building were from Haiti. And, uh, and that had to do with, you know, the assassination of the president, a lot of political upheaval there and the earthquake. And then, um, now probably our largest group for sure are from colombia and uh, and you know really really severe violence there and and many people are under um, very dangerous conditions Uh, we've also seen a lot of people from turkey um, from sri lanka from again also from haiti from uh, congo angola Um, those are some of our top countries right Mm -hmm. now but it really shifts from time to time we are actually anticipating that we likely will see more people from russia ukraine um we don't have many right now we Mm -hmm. we do have some um, but it all just kind of follows after what are some of the major events that are happening around the world do you think the increase in numbers of folks staying um, at vive is due to the world events or with maybe policy inside the united states you know it's it's probably likely a combination because obviously they need to get up to us. Um, yeah. We're we're in Buffalo, New York, um, and many people can't even get through the border before they're at that point, right. and the, the border policy is going to influence how people can pass through. Um, what many of the people do when they get to us um, is that they well, prior to getting to us is that they'll present at the southern border and then say that they they do what's called a credit, credible fear interview um, where they're able to identify what, what are the significant issues that cause them to need to flee from their original country. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to initiate the first step of filing an asylum claim. It's a much, much longer per, uh, um, process after that. Uh, but... But yeah, I mean, there's lots of policy components that, that uh, we may see evolve over time. We may also see, um, you know, it's been, we're, we're still kind of monitoring and following what's going to happen with the Biden administration. It's not all completely clear. Mm-hmm. They've made a lot of commitments earlier, um, like in the campaign trail, and then also earlier in the administration, but it, it hasn't all come out in the wash yet. hmm
0: so, uh, you know, I one of the th- the things I, I was interested in is that uh, you know, and, and, and maybe Vive wouldn't be an appropriate place, mm-hmm. um, but um, you know, I anticipate that we're going to see more like climate change refugees. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you think of like this past month in the subcontinent um, where you know they're seeing temperatures of like 120 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so. That's going to be that's going to be a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where is Buffalo poised and maybe Vive in particular uh, mm-hmm. to help to handle and help those individuals?
1: Yeah, I think about that in the sense that many of the initial front line of welcoming people is on the, along the southern border, and that's going to be so much more of an inhospitable place mm-hmm. for people to come to in the United States, especially when we're thinking long term. Um, Buffalo's probably better poised mm-hmm. to be able to support folks. And, and uh, it feels so weird talking and, and frightening to talk yeah. about that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, we've started to consider it as our staff and strategically, how do we need to, to encounter those things? Um, I have a couple of staff members who are very, very interested in this idea. And, and, and actually um, there are certain criteria that you need to prove mm-hmm. to make an asylum claim climate change related things is not included within that at this point i i believe that likely it will have to be included Mm -hmm. you know those are the components of what's going to influence migration and whether or not people are going to be able to live sustainably in certain places around the world especially when so much their livelihood is tied up in um you know farming and Main, uh, maintaining their own their well being. If they cannot do that in a warming planet, mm-hmm. they will need to find another place.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to, to to follow that and kind of watch like because I agree. Like, I think that's going to have to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the federal level, the administ- whichever administration decides to finally tackle that, mm-hmm. um, it does seem that unfortunately, you know, some of our lawmakers and some of the ones who have more authority than others have their head in the sand, in the sand a little bit about the severity of climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we'll see if if that changes. Um, So you guys, you know, you're working with all those, these individuals seeking asylum. So you, do you guys have your own law staff that you you work with or do you? Well, so we have,
1: um, we have a legal services manager and legal services specialist. They are not attorneys. Okay. Though, uh, our legal services manager, actually, he's he's originally from Ethiopia. He was an attorney in, in Ethiopia. He, he is um, still early on in the, some of the process. Eventually, that his goal is to do that, not to put out his, his own business. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, we have um, we work really closely with Journeys and Refugee Resettlement Services where they have a whole legal department. Mm-hmm. That's one of the unique and important um, services that they offer to the community. And then we have an attorney and a legal assistant that's housed essentially at Vive uh, all through the week, and they're taking on cases. They'll also help people get connected to other attorneys that are out in the community. We work really closely with the Erie County um, Volunteer Lawyers Project mm-hmm. and, uh, and then other attorneys who will also do pro bono work or low bono work. And, uh, and it's exceptionally important that we have that. We're also really, really excited. Uh, Journey's End is going to be able to expand out some of their work soon. And, uh, and, and as a result, we're going to be able to bring on another attorney. We are, we're constantly busy. We're constantly backlogged. Um, there's, there's monumental amount of need.
0: So, and, um, so I know Jericho Road Community Health Centers, so they have two of the largest health centers on the east side of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um and you know I have to imagine with the shooting and mm-hmm. the impact it's had on society it's had a great impact on Jericho Road community health centers mm-hmm. um how's it impacted your clients with vive
1: you know so um there's both the immediate and some more um i think that uh, some other ways in which it's been demonstrated i know on on that day we had i you know, I dropped what I was doing. I went up to the shelter to go check on people. And because of the nature of the, the folks in our shelter, not everybody has consistent access to phones, um, consistent communication. So it was hard to just even take stock of who was there, who wasn't. That was, that's the tops that our that our folks are. That's the grocery store that people go to, to shop. Mm -hmm. So it took me all the way until the following morning to ensure that every single person was safe. That nobody was there. And, uh, and then we spent some time processing with residents there, and I'm, you know, I'm going to come back to the wider community in a moment. But they're really impacted. You know, they think about the idea of coming to the United States, fleeing from these really awful conditions in their home countries, and the the idea, or maybe to them, it might even feel a little bit, I don't know, an uncertain. The thought is that the United States is a safer place to them, and that day, that was demonstrated that that was not the case Mm -hmm. blocks away from where they're trying to have a safe refuge. 10 people are, are 13 people are shot. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of fear, a lot of, uh, of um, instability. And I had a number of people that then came to me and said like they're, they decided that they're going to file an asylum claim or a refugee claim in Canada Mm -hmm. um, instead uh, it just feels way too unsafe right now for them to stay in Buffalo and, or stay in the United States. Right. And, uh, and, and that's really sad. It's really it disappointing. Um, you know, it, it, it's so strange that a person would be coming from a place like Colombia or a place like, um, like Angola and then be here, and this doesn't feel safe enough for mm-hmm. them. Um, and then in the wider sense, like, I mean, I have staff that had dear friends and family members that were, that they lost, they lost people. So we're, um, we're all trying to hold each other up. We're trying to heal from that, but then also, um, continue to be like, we will, we'll, we'll stand here. We're not going any place. We Jericho road, our staff are made up of every country that we serve in our patient base, um, is, is, uh, demonstrated within our staff to all the different ethnic groups. And, uh, and there's, it, it doesn't mean, I mean, that's, that's the nature of bravery, right? Like you, you recognize that there's a thing that frightens you and you still face it and you go in because you have a thing you need to do. And for us, that thing to do is, uh, make sure that we're providing, quality loving health care right. to a group that doesn't often get that yes. adequately and then additional services to them all the time
0: mm-hmm. so uh you know one of the things that um that's been mentioned right about vive right uh, new york are talking about uh the new underground railroad mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that for us for a little bit
1: yeah um a few years back um uh, you know, a, a particular journal, journalist spent some time there in the shelter, wrote an article about us, recognizing that um, that many people in their journey, especially around finding safety, finding refuge, um, were were using Vive as this way station, as a pass through point, um, rather than those that were looking to stay. Locally, here in the United States, um, they were working towards going to Canada, and uh, we were the we have supported thousands of people over the years in doing this process, and and it feels like an honor that we are able to offer that you know, especially because Buffalo, in in its history, was historically, one of the one of the final steps in the Underground Railroad. And, uh, you know, my, where I grew up, I grew up on the west side in view of the Niagara River, and uh, I'm very close by one of those historical sites for the Underground Railroad. So then um, to feel like Vive gets to be that for some people, you know, that they're, they're a safe refuge in that step to then move towards eventually... Uh, settling in a place uh, where they they hope to be, or connect with family, those types of things. Um, like I said, it just feels like an honor that we can we can offer that to them.
0: So, what can our listeners do to to support uh, Viva in particular, support mm-hmm. refugee and asylum seekers in the United States in general? You know, mm-hmm. what what are some actionable steps they can take to do that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I can think about it in a couple ways. One, learn about what are some of those uh, rules? What, uh, learn about what's going on in that sense. You don't need to go, um, you know, get a PhD in, in policy type related stuff, but just find out about what's going on. Meet your neighbors. Yeah. Go talk with people. Um, my sister was just texting me last night and asking what are, the, uh, what are some of the ways and how her church could help and all that. And I said, you know, I, I certainly need material things. Like I need... I always need donations. I need toiletries. I need diapers. I need stuff like that for the, for the families that are staying with us at Vive. But what I really need is people who are going to have relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, If I have volunteers or have folks who want to come and spend time with somebody, that's what's going to break down those barriers. That's what's going to make a person feel like, okay, the community actually does care about me. Mm -hmm. That's how we build uh, the city of good neighbors at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, it's because somebody shows them like, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I want to invest in you, in you staying here, in you building a life. And then also like folks being able to share something, you know, I've got a guy in the building right now that's a civil engineer and he's not, he doesn't have his work authorization yet, but he was a civil engineer, uh, back in his home country. And he's really excited to be able to give that, Mm -hmm. um, to the community of Buffalo and, uh, and so he's, you know, he's eager to do that. And he also wants to make connections to people. He's, he's incredibly, um, kind, friendly person. And the, I have stories like this across the board of every single person that comes and stays with us.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, I think, um, uh, you know, like making that connection and mm-hmm. bringing people in from the community, to, um, you know, one of the projects or one of the, uh, things that uh, Jericho Road does is the Priscilla Project, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I'm familiar with. And for those of you who don't know, the Priscilla Project is they pair up uh, a member of the community with a, a pregnant individual uh, from their from their client base, uh, mm-hmm. you know, refugee, uh, and help them kind of. Make their way through the the healthcare system and and you know, the birthing system in the United mm-hmm. States and, and working with the doctors and and uh, midwives and whoever that you know they may be working with for for that. Um, but you know, people I know who have volunteered for that. I mean, they that becomes lifelong friendships and they become mm-hmm. like you know like godparents to like yeah. their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a really it's a remarkable program. Oh, absolutely, yeah,
1: yeah, and you know, I uh, this is still somewhat half baked for me but i've been trying to think a lot more about how to foster that same kind of infrastructure around mm-hmm. things in in vive too like i want to help um pair people with others who are um who are first settling in the country and maybe it's not quite around the same um idea around a person who's pregnant right. for instance but uh but we're we're in some early stages for instance about a group around um individuals who are who are immigrants and they're queer and this is the first time that they've been able to safely be out openly in the united states and we'd love to be able to pair them with another person who's maybe an immigrant who's walked that same path and is out or or another person who um, has a teenager and uh, they, they need somebody else who that's uh, – there's a whole lot of weirdness of just being a teen, a right. teen in and of right. itself but then doing it in a whole new country. We want to be able to find all of these different things and then make those connections. And it, I think it will be so valuable.
0: So, well, I mean – I. I think you guys are doing fantastic work. Oh, uh, thank you. You know, uh, you know we were supporters. Uh, we had our, our, Christmas party and mm-hmm. we donated all of our uh, proceeds to Vive. Oh, I like to do that every you. year. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate um, that. <laughs> you know. want, want to talk a little bit about the new, new building? Yeah yeah. 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 So,
1: um, you know, we've been not for our entire history, but, uh, the good part of it. Um, we'd been in a former school building, um, St. Matthew's, I believe, um, there on the East side. And, uh, we you know we had to convert the the former classrooms into bedrooms they're they're big dorm style spaces we make do and and i am really appreciative of how um how gracious our our residents our guests are with us about the space but at the same time like when i first got there and even now i i feel embarrassed about this space that we have so um and we've beat the heck out of it too. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> um, sure it's well used. Yeah. But in that, we have known we need to be able to move into a new space. And uh, we, we started to strategically think about that a little bit. About a year ago, uh, we sat down with a group of um, key stakeholders to think through, you know, do we do some major renovations at our current building? Do we move? Maybe even there was a potential for somewhere in Niagara Falls, for instance. One of our One of our key partners... Um, Scott Buehler, actually from West Her, uh Ford, he he's like, you know, this needs to be in Buffalo. You can't take this out of Buffalo. And um, and I, I I bet there is somewhere else that you need to you you can look at. And he helped us connect to the former Bristol Homes uh, location at 1500 Main Street that had just closed down, um, and it's a beautiful building. I think built in. 1878 um, huge space, but was a former um, senior living facility. So all individualized rooms and uh, with programming space, green space oh, outside, nice. all of these things. And so um, we're going to be moving from our current building. One of the first questions that I always get is like, how are you going to expand? And, and honestly, I've actually been pretty um, stubborn about this in I don't really want to expand out. I don't want to bring in more beds to this space because what I want to do in this new building is make sure that we can have more private, uh trauma informed space about how we're gonna set that up. It'll be family suites. It'll be, you know, you're maybe if you're a single person, you're only sharing it with um one, two, maybe three other people. There'll be smaller areas. It'll be a lot more, um, you just get to be able to start that healing journey yeah. that many people need a lot more easily. Sure. As opposed to being in this room with 20 some people that all right. are, you know, all are going through a really heavy sure. thing.
0: can be overwhelming, right? No doubt. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we're thrilled about this new building and uh, we just closed on it just a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. And uh, we are, um, our hope is to be in there hopefully by, before the, before we hit the dead of the uh, dead of winter, this yeah. year we we really want to be able to move before it gets real cold for sure.
0: Yeah. The other, in addition to like you, know, maybe trying to volunteer and make uh, donations and, and you know we'll we'll put out the link so everybody mm-hmm. can find Vive online mm-hmm. and donate money because they should do that. Um, but um, you know we tend to have a, a pretty uh, politically active listener base, mm-hmm. uh, so. If they're in the habit of writing letters, or it's not the 1940s anymore, so maybe emails Mm -hmm. um, to elected officials, uh, and they carrier pigeon, uh, carrier pigeon, um, you know, carrier fox. uh, Mm -hmm. um, If they want to talk to uh, their favorite elected officials and say, "Hey, you know, really support Mm Vive." Is there, there, should they focus on the federal, the state, the local, everybody, just Mm -hmm. hit them all up? Yeah, so there's a handful of different ways that this
1: could be demonstrated. One, um, and and I haven't really talked about this, but our services are incredibly unique. Um, They're becoming less unique, but very, very slowly. There is not many other organizations, probably a small handful across the entire country that do this kind of work. Offering housing for asylum seekers. Partially, that's because um, many of the, like federal funding and and even some state funding, you can't use that to support them. That's not traditional homeless services, um, funding and and those revenue streams are not available to this group. And so then, talking about how to include asylum seekers in those conversations is a really important thing and that's not much part of the national state or even local dialogue you know i'm trying to right now with a handful of other people how are we recognizing these groups and and you know it is an imp- certainly an important group locally much much so uh, much more so um, in other parts of the country for sure. Mm. And uh, and so then if we are considering how to help provide homeless services, we need to be drawing in this group too because there's going to be more trends like this. Climate mm. change is going to impact that. We're still going to have political upheaval all mm. across the world. Um, there will be more and more people, um, sadly, that's... That may feel pessimistic, but we this need is going to continue for sure mm-hmm. it's realistic yeah, yeah. and uh, and so, in doing so, pushing our our policymakers, our elected officials to consider asylum seekers in the homeless service provider work that uh, or the homeless service funding packages that are out there mm-hmm. draw that in and you know I'm not going to get into all the technical components of that, but that that's where I would push. Huh.
0: Well, all right. Well, you guys heard them, so get out there, uh-huh. get, yep. sharpen up your pens. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, That's right. You know, let your uh, your your state and federal elected officials know, and the county will follow.
1: If I can give an example for that, like for instance, if there's if we are full, and somebody goes down to Department of Social Services and uh, they they're very early on in the process. They don't have a social security card. Mm -hmm. They haven't gone through everything else. They'll say, I can't refer you to shelter. Mm -hmm. And this person may have to then sleep on the street. Right. Or they'll have to find somewhere else. And, uh, and there are other, other places around, around the, the country where you might actually be able to access those things. So that's a really important place here in Erie County, actually, like Mm -hmm. that the way that the funding is structured could actually be shifted, but that's not how they're doing that here in Erie.
0: All right. Well, we'll have to get some elected officials on and... And put their feet to the fire. Yeah, ask them. Everyone we have on will ask them about Right, it. yeah. Great. Yeah. Right, yeah. We could do it proverbially or literally. We could get a fire in here and we could right. hold their feet directly Great. to I it. I see a candle raised. Right, that's right. <laughs> uh, all right, well, Matt, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, where can uh, people find Vive online so yeah. that they can they can do donations if they don't want to? So you can find us at
1: jrchc.org slash vive v-i-v-e um we've got a wish list on there we've got a place where you can check out for volunteering um we've got ways to contact if you're actually a person who's looking for assistance and help there's links on there um there's uh email addresses to to contact us and uh, so it's all it's all listed on that there's some cool videos other things yeah mm-hmm. right Right. yeah thank you and and all your staff for what you do and and i just want to say we're happy to have your guests here in in buffalo yeah Yeah. thank you so much thanks for having us for sure thanks